And listen, I have, I've got a word from God today, um, and I'm going to do my best to get us through it. But I'm telling you right now, some people, your lives already changed just because of what's happened. There's others of you, even watching online, you'll never be the same after this message. You'll ne- you, you won't be able to be the same after this message. That's how much God's speaking to me about what I want to talk to you about. And so grab your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 8. And we're kicking off a new series. Come on, this is going to be a fun one. We're kicking off a new series today called Check Your Bags. Come on, say that with me. Check Your Bags. All right. John chapter 8. Um, Jesus is, is um, about to, to let us in on some things. And so we're going to dive in verse 31 to the text And it says, then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, everybody say believers, Believers. the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. How many have ever heard that verse before? All right. And they answered, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say, (laughs) yeah, come on, religious people, y'all. How can you say we'd be made free? And Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you will be, everybody say it, free indeed. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's a good verse. Woo, I feel this one. You know, when God shows up, my job gets so much easier. I'm just going to be honest with you. Woo. I want to pray for us. I call this message, we're in the series, Check Your Bags. We're going to talk today about unchecked baggage. Unchecked baggage. Uh, pray with me. Holy Spirit, you are obviously in this room. We can feel you. We know you're here. This is your time to speak to every individual in a way they would understand. I pray you would speak in a way there is no way we could leave here today and be the same. Your truth makes us free. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Um, (laughs) Jesus is talking, let's talk about his audience, number one. He's talking to church people. Everybody say church people. Are there any church people here today? Any church people? All right, hey, he's talking, just say he's talking to me. He's talking to me. He talked, and here's what he's telling. Okay, so he's talking to church people, and here's what he's telling them. You're not free. Boy, it got quiet all of a sudden. Y'all were with me on that first one. He's talking to church people, and he's telling them, you're not free. And then the second thing he tells them, God's heart for you is freedom. Jesus will never leave you where he found you. People say, I found Jesus. You didn't know where to look. (laughs) Jesus was looking for you. Right? Jesus was looking for you. He found you. And here's the great thing. When he finds you, he just he, well, he won't leave you the way he found you. Right? Now, I don't know if that's good news for you, but I like that. Because I don't want to be the same as when he found me. I thank God today I'm not the same as when Jesus found me. Because I was a hot mess. I was 17 years old and hell on wheels. I was a hot mess. And Jesus found me and radically changed my life. You say, well, you as a pastor's son, listen, you can go to hell with baptism water on your face. You can go to hell sitting in a church. <laughs> when you, when, it, Jesus is not going to ask you, did you go to a church service? He's going to say, did you know me? Did I know you? 
Did you surrender? Right? That's what he's going to ask. And so I was 17. I was a pastor's kid. And I was hell on wheels. And I remember what it was like for Jesus to save me. Are you with me? I'm so glad he didn't leave me that way because after he saved me, I was still a hot mess. I was just a saved hot mess. That's a good word. There's some people in here. You're a saved hot mess, but you're still a hot mess. This series is going to help you out. Okay. All right. <laughs> and so he tells them, you're not free, but God's heart is freedom. Um, I want to give you a scripture, Galatians 5, 1. I'm going to talk about God's heart for freedom, and I'm going to dive in. i got to do this fast. Galatians 1 says, it is for freedom. This is Galatians 5, 1. I'm sorry, Galatians 5, 1. It says, it is for freedom. If y'all can get that verse up there, I want them to see it. Um, Galatians 5, 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has made us free. All right, listen to me. It is for freedom. Now, a lot of people, and they says, stand firm in this freedom and don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, a lot of people look at this verse and say it's redundant, right? It's a redundant thing. It's for freedom that Christ has made us free. But you need to understand he's talking about two different freedoms. So the first freedom is what we would call salvation, where Christ sets us free from the law. But then after we're set free from the law, we're still bound by stuff. We're going to talk about that stuff today. So then he says he sets you free. Why? So that you can walk in freedom. It is for freedom. So that's God's heart. God wants freedom. And because God wants freedom, he frees us from the law of sin and death so that we have an opportunity to walk in freedom. Now, here's, I'm a, I'm a, this may be new for some of you. I'll come back to it later. So when you look at it, the first freedom is a freedom from. The second freedom is a freedom to. I am freed from sin and death so that I can be free to be who God created me to be. Do you see that? Let me give you one more verse. Uh, Luke 4, verse 18. Luke 4, verse 18. This is Jesus reading from the prophet Isaiah. And, and uh, he's in the temple. And most everybody knows this. And I don't think that I would be doing any harm to the text at all to exegete it this way, which is to, to, to draw out of it the work of Jesus or the person of Jesus. Exegete, right? And so it says, now I want to just show you God's heart for freedom. I'm not taking away from anything else, but I just, I don't think it does any harm to the text to look at it this way. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Bind out. Time out. If you're poor, you're bound by poverty. So you need freedom. You need to be free from poverty. Sometimes we need to be free from impoverished thinking, right? We think like orphans instead of sons. All right. Then he goes on to say, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You can be bound by wounds and hurts, right? You get wounded, get hurt. You don't forgive. You struggle. You're bound, right? All right. So you need freedom to preach deliverance to the captives. You can be bound by the enemy. Y'all do know you have an enemy. The recovering of sight to the blind, you can be bound by physical ailments. And to set at liberty the bruise, a bruise is a trauma to your body where blood rushes out of the blood vessel. Blood vessels burst, right? So it's a trauma. So you can be bound by trauma, traumatic things you've been, abandonment, abuse. You can be bound by that. So the ministry of Jesus, and I could apply it differently, but I don't think it hurts 
to apply it this way, the, what I call the five ministries of the Messiah that we see here, you could relate them all to freedom. It's God's heart for freedom. So we're going to talk about it today. Are you ready? I just have two points. It never makes the message shorter, but today somebody pray with me for a miracle. Will you pray with me for a miracle? Because kids ministry is going to go on strike in about 30 minutes, okay? And so um, pray with me for a miracle. Number one, write this down. You can't be free until you're honest. Some of you could go home right there. You can't be free. You can't be free until you're honest. Jesus is talking. Who was he talking to? Church people. What did he tell them? You're not free. What did they tell him? We've never been in bondage to anyone. Listen, I've counseled this person before. I don't know if you've read the Bible, but they start out in bondage to Egypt. Then after they get into the promised land, because they kept continuing in sin, there's a word there, they were in bondage to the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, the Assyrians, um, the Greeks. And when they are telling Jesus they're not in bondage, they are politically ruled by the Romans. We're not in bondage. Never been in bondage. Listen, you, you can't be free until, until you're honest. Listen, I'm going to say some things, and they're going to be very direct. Number one, it is not normal to have to drink a 12-pack after work every day just to calm down. It is not normal to have to drink a bottle of wine to curb your anxiety in the evenings. That's not normal. No. Are you preaching against drinking? Take it how you want to. I'm just telling you to get half lit so you can make it through the evening is not normal. It is not normal to try to cure loneliness by swapping right and hooking up with somebody new every other week. It is not normal to watch porn to spice up your marriage. It's not normal, sir, for your whole family to be scared of you. It's not normal, mom, for your kids to run from you. That's not normal. It's not normal to have rage. It's not normal to get mad and break something or put your hand through a wall. That, that, those are not, that's not what freedom looks like. That's not what freedom looks like. Right? It, 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 it's, listen, it's not normal to have suicidal thoughts all the time. That's not what freedom looks like. It's not normal to be so bound up by anxiety that you can't function. It's not normal to live hopeless all the time, to live in depression. Obviously, I'm not condemning, not being condescending. I've dealt with most of the stuff on that list. <laughs> Just being honest, right? I'm just telling you, it's, it's not normal. It's not normal to chew... <laughs> This one just hit me. It's not normal to chew those special gummies that you get from Colorado or Oklahoma. <laughs> just so you can have some excitement. That's not normal. 
It's not normal to have to take Ambien every night just so you can try to get some sleep. Night terrors are not normal. Listen, before you can be free, you have to be honest. You have to be honest. Um, so I'm going to talk about four things that, that we're in bondage to. So I've got a bag here. Notice it's the unchecked bag. We're going to talk about the unchecked bag really quickly. Um, because I want to talk about four things we might need to check. Is anybody in here an overpacker? <laughs> my people! My people! Uh, yeah. Overpacker. Where are you at? Raise it's, it's like he is freedom for my soul. Thank you for being honest today. Woo, when we go on a trip, my boys can pack in a, in a backpack. Not me and my little girl. No, we got to have a U-Haul. Because I don't know. I might need... There you are. I found you. I might, need, I might need this pair of white tennis shoes and that pair of white tennis shoes. We might go to a restaurant that I need a pair of slacks. I might need the gold necklace and the silver necklace. And I need the watch with the black strap and the brown strap and possibly the silver and the gold mixed together. Are you with me? My overpackers. This summer, I went to the beach by myself. Don't feel bad. It was glorious. My kids were at camp, and Dad ran away. And all I had on the agenda was pray in the mornings, sit on the beach in the afternoons. Only thing on the agenda, possibly eat dinner. I needed three bags three bags. You can't be free till you're honest. I'm being honest this morning. I'm being honest with you. I needed three bags. Just me. Four days. Pray. Go to the beach. That was it. Most of you are thinking you need like two swimsuits and a pair of flip-flops. Not me, friend. Not me, because I just didn't know. What if it got cold all of a sudden? I might need a pullover. Because in Florida in June, it often there's a cold snap. <laughs> you know what else I found about overpacking? Sometimes I overpack so much because I'm what, where are you at too. The moment I get in the room, I have to unpack. Where are you at? I don't like wrinkles. I need to re-inventory. I need to make sure the dog's not in the suitcase somewhere. But there have been many times I get into the room and I start to overpack and I found out there's stuff in there I didn't know was even in there. I'm like, I didn't remember putting that in there. Of course, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I did. Now I've got two pair of khaki shorts. That's right. But have you ever had one of those where when you go to check your bags, you found out you had some things in there that you forgot or didn't know were in there? I think that's what Jesus is telling these church people. Let me give you four things that you may need to check your bag for because these things will put you in bondage and they are not what you think. The first, the first thing where we get put into bondage, I got to get this out without showing y'all my... <laughs> y'all don't be peeking. But the first thing uh, many times that we're in bondage to is bad definitions my dictionary. That's a good dictionary here. 
1828, Noah Webster. Hey, listen, Noah Webster was a man of God. In fact, now I think they ought to take it. I, I think they ought to take his name off the current version. But this is 1828. This was Noah's, right? And Noah was a man of God. But the first thing we're in bondage to, ultimately, is, is bad definitions. And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. Is we were created for freedom. It's for freedom. Christ has made us free. We were created for freedom. And so whatever we think freedom is, we will pursue. So if we have a wrong definition, we will run after the wrong thing, hoping for the right result. Yeah. Which explains a lot of human behavior when you think about it. Why do they keep doing that? They must think that makes them free. Um, when, we, when we think about freedom, most of the time what we think about is, if I ask people, first of all, if I ask a lot of people, uh, before this series, I, I would say, hey, what is freedom? And they'd say something like, well, you know, that's what addicts need. I'm going to talk about that in a minute because most of us are addicted to something that's not what we think it is. Oh, we'll get to that one just a minute. Y'all hang on. Um, but let me give you the definition for freedom. Freedom, most of the time when we think of freedom, we say, I'll be free when I stop. Let me explain. When I'm no longer depressed, I'll be free. When I am no longer addicted, I'll be free. When I'm no longer raging out and angry all the time, I'll be free. And so we, when I'm no longer anxious, I'll be free. And the problem is, what is it? Seek first the kingdom. When, when we try to not be or not do then your focus becomes what you're not being or not doing, which keeps you bound to it. Right? Whatever is first has power in your life. That's why I said seek first the kingdom. So when I'm trying to not be anxious, anxiety is still going to rule my life. When I'm trying to not be depressed, depression is still in charge. Of my, when I'm trying not to drink, when I'm trying not to sleep with everybody, when I'm trying not to look at porn, most of the time, all I'm doing is empowering that thing. So, so we think in terms of freedom as when I stop doing, then I'll be free. God actually defines it differently. <clears throat> Let me explain. Let me give you a verse. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? It says, But we with all unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being changed are transformed into that same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Isn't it interesting when God defines freedom, He does not define it as the absence of something, but the presence of someone. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where's freedom? What's freedom look like? Where the Spirit of the Lord is. The presence of God. There's freedom. It's not when I stop. It's when he's present. It's not when I quit. It's when I get into his presence. When I get to him. That freedom is not the absence of something, but rather the presence of someone. With the goal. What does freedom look like? 
Freedom looks like being free. Freedom looks like me looking like freedom. In other words, we are then transformed where the Spirit of the Lord is. Why does the Holy Spirit come? Let me tell you. Let me help you with something. The Holy Spirit did not come into your life so you could stay the same. I'm going to say something really, really bold just because I need to. If you got saved and you're still exactly the same, let me help you something. You didn't, you didn't get saved. You may have said a prayer, but you didn't get saved. Amen. Half of my job is to afflict the comforted. The other half is to comfort the afflicted. <laughs> and so here's what he says. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And what does freedom do? Freedom transforms me into the image of freedom, which is Christ. So freedom is a process of the Holy Spirit working in my life to make me look like Jesus. It's not the absence of some, but, but here's the problem. When I think, when I think freedom is something else, I'll pursue it. And sometimes the pursuit of the wrong definition, most times the definition is wrong, the pursuit will put you more in bondage than in freedom. And the first thing you have to decide is, what is the definition of freedom? Well, freedom is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Here's the next thing we're in bondage to. Most of the time, we're in bondage to ourself. <laughs> I said a minute ago, sometimes we're addicted to something that is not alcohol or a substance or most people are just addicted to themselves. You don't believe me? Check Instagram. Come on. I'm talking to the man in the mirror. Hee <laughs> hee. Let me explain what I mean by that. In the Garden of Eden, there were two trees that were named. Can you help me with that? What was the first tree? Yeah, well, I, I should, yeah, it's hard. Like, there, you had a 50% chance of getting it right, didn't you? It's like, <laughs> there were two trees, the, the tree of life, right? And then the other one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If, if you do all the research, I'll save you the time. But when it says the tree of life, the equivalent in the New Testament, which is a Greek word, not a Hebrew word, but the equivalent of tree of life would be what we know as Zoe. You know, where Jesus said, I didn't come that you, I came that you'd have life. We call it Zoe. So in the New Testament, there are three words for life, biological life, the life of a soul, and then the life of the spirit, Zoe. And so when, when in the Garden of Eden it says there's this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, most people understand what is that knowledge of good and evil, right? But the tree of life essentially was Zoe. It was the same thing when it says uh, God breathed into Adam. He became a living being. The breath that made Adam alive and the fruit that was on the tree of life are the same. Amen. And so the way that man was created was to live. Paul said this way, to live by the Spirit. What do you say? Live by the Spirit. And you, and you won't struggle so much with the things of the flesh. Live by the Spirit. Put to death the deeds of the flesh. That's what he said. And so um, when... When Adam and Eve lived in the garden, they had these two trees, trees tree of life, tree of knowledge. The way God designed them was to live by the tree of life. 
And as long as they lived by the tree of life, they were, think about it like this, they had a Wi-Fi connection to all the data servers. So everything they understood, perceived, and knew came from God to them, like a download. And not only that, the power in Him we live and move and have our being. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead, right? Quickens our bodies. And the power to live came from that connection, right? So they were, they were, they had a Wi-Fi connection to the server of God by which they pulled down a way of understanding and perceiving and seeing and knowing and the power to live, right? What happened when Adam and Eve chose the other tree, the knowledge of good and evil, it was like that, that connection was severed. I'll give you another illustration. Let's just say it was an extension cord that was hooked to Adam and Eve, and the other side was plugged in by the Spirit to God, and they pulled power from that, right? And that was the source of the strength and the power and the activity of their life. When they chose the knowledge of good and evil, here's what they said. We're not going to live by your government. We're going to live by our ability to govern ourselves. We're not going to live by your spirit. We're going to live by our understanding of the rules. And when they did that, the power cord was severed. And in that moment, they lost connection with all the servers and all the power of God. And what happened is they became their own source. Uh, I had an amplifier when I was a kid, about 11 years old. I decided I was going to be a rock star. Anybody else decide you was going to be a rock star? Yeah, it didn't, I didn't get very far. Um, well, I didn't get anywhere. And so, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like sports. If I had any physical ability, I'd still be playing sports. If I could run or jump or catch or throw or shoot, I'd still be playing sports. I got the size. I just have no ability, right? It's kind of like with rock and roll. I, you know, I had the heart. I just had no skill. And so um, just pray for him when you pray. Uh, um. But I had an amplifier, and it had a plug, right? And you plug it in the wall and turn the amplifier on, right? Interesting enough, this amplifier had a plug on the back. And so I thought, just out of curiosity, I unplugged it from the wall and plugged it into itself. Anybody want to guess what happened? Absolutely nothing. Because the amplifier was not designed to be its own source of power. It was designed to plug into a source and channel power to other things that needed, that, that needed power. Right? And so the amplifier in and of itself is not sufficient to be its own source. And so what happened when we became our own source, then we became the source of trying to determine our identity trying to determine who we are and what we do and where we go and what we have. We had to, we had to become the own source of, our, of understanding and reason and knowledge. I don't know if y'all know this, Adam and Eve didn't have to go to school. Why didn't they have to learn? Because they had a Wi-Fi connection to an all-knowing server. I mean, they named all the animals. No one took them through a biology class or zoology or zoology class or they didn't go through botany or anything like that. They just said, giraffe. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Duckbill platypus. Wouldn't have gone that way, but sure. <laughs> and so what happens is we, we became our own source um, and we don't have the power to be our own source. 
the, the problem that Jesus came to solve was to deliver you from you. I, I don't have time to teach this, but let me explain. When the Bible talks about what happened in the garden and when Jesus talks about what went wrong, when Paul talks about what went wrong, what they all agree is the problem we're dealing with today is not sin, but death. Sin mostly is what you do because you're trying to find freedom. Let me say it another way. It said, let me, I'll give you a scripture so you know I'm not making this up. But number one, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, what happened? They died, right? So was sin the problem or death? Well, the Bible says death is the problem. In fact, Romans 5.12 says, Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. So what is the problem? Is it sin or death? Death. Death is the problem. That's why when Jesus came back, he said, I've come that you might have. He didn't say, I've come that you might have good behavior. I've come that you might act better. I've come that your church attendance would go up by 100%. I've come that you lead a small group or tithe. It's not what he said. He said, I came that you might have. Why did he want us to have life? Because that's what we lost in the garden. And once we lost it, we died. So death is the problem. Life is the solution. And when we are dead, that means, listen to me, listen, disconnection is death. When we're not connected to God, we're dead. Right? The rules, if you will, obedience is about protecting the connection. Are you with me? Walking in righteousness is how I protect my connection. Why? If I lose my connection, what happens? If there's an area in my life I'm unwilling to take to God and connect it to Him, that area is going to be... That's why people can sing good on Sunday and got dead relationships on Monday because you're still not letting God be in charge of your DMs. And so we're in bondage to ourselves. I got I to gotta go. Um, oh, here's the next one. Now, this is going to get some people. You're not going to like me. Are you ready? ready? Next thing, I'm going to tell you the same thing these guys were in bondage to. Religion. I think it's the most deadly one. Because this one will tell you you're alive when you're dead. Jesus showed up to the Pharisees and, and, and he said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but you're completely dead on the inside. Welcome to Sunday morning church. I know how to look right on the outside, but my kids are scared to death of me. My wife sleeps on the couch when I'm drinking. But I look good on the outside. And I could go through all the other things I said wasn't normal. You just fill in the blank. But the point is, this is the most... Let me ask you a question. Remember how that tree of the knowledge of good and evil caused death? Did you know it wasn't just the tree of the knowledge of evil? The knowledge of good causes just as much death as the knowledge of evil. Right? And religion, most of the time, is the knowledge of... Now, if you're sitting here like, we're in church, you're talking about... You need to understand, Jesus was the least religious person that existed. He was not a fan of religion. If you don't believe me, read Matthew 25. 
He had some pretty stout words for religion. Like the most harsh words Jesus could ever say was to religious people. Wasn't a fan. You know why? Because religion was killing people and keeping them in bondage. Because as long as I can act right and look good on the outside or act right at the right times or post the right thing, then no one will know what I'm really hiding underneath is completely dead and lifeless. See, freedom is not the knowledge of good. Freedom is, um, let me show you this, John 3, 20. Y'all still there? Mm, I got to hurry. All right, we're going to move faster somehow. (laughs) I don't know how, Jesus. Um, John 3, 20 says, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth. Now, notice that the opposite of, of evil is not good. It's truth. Right? The, the problem with the knowledge tree of good and evil, yes, it gave us the knowledge of sin, but it also gave us the knowledge of good. And many times we think the way we overcome death is by doing more good. But you can't do enough good to be alive. Are you with me? So what John says is whoever lives by the truth comes to light, that, that, they may be, that their deeds may be seen, that they're clearly done in the sight of God. So here's what he's saying is that... that The way to freedom is not doing good, it's doing truth. You will know the truth and the truth will. So it's not by doing good, it's by doing, everybody say it, by doing. And what I love about this is it doesn't set up a a perfect standard. It says those who want to do truth, what, what is the marking of a person who wants to do truth? They move towards the light instead of away from it. That, that's how you know a person wants to do truth. It's not that they're perfect. It's that they keep going to the light saying, search me, God, and see what's in me. Search me and see if there's something in here that conflicts with truth. Yeah, I know all the good stuff, but I want you to tell me if there's something in here that's conflicting with truth. And so, so a lot of times religion teaches us to do good, and we think if we do enough good, we won't be bad. But the problem is, remember, the problem is not bad. The problem is dead. So the answer is not good. The answer is alive. And the only way to get to alive is truth. Okay, here's the last one. This will be fun. Another area you're in bondage to. Not to hockey. In bondage to demons. Ethel, get your purse. They we shouldn't have come. He's weird. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to do a whole message on this. But I need you to understand <laughs> another Michael Jackson song. <laughs> you are not alone. They are here with you. <laughs> um, you're not alone. <laughs> and, and listen, um, now I know you're sitting here you're saying, well, Pastor, I just don't believe in demons. They believe in you. They believe in you. Now, I, let me just say one caution. When we, when we talk about demons, there are two groups of people. Usually on this polar side, there's the superstitious. Come on, Steve. The superstitious. The writing's on the wall. That's scriptural, by the way, because there was writing on the wall, but it wasn't a demon. It was God. Anyways, um, so there's the superstitious. 
And then there's the skeptic, you know. Uh, I don't believe in that. And what I'm saying, if you're on that side and you're superstitious, or you're on this side and you're, you know, the skeptic or whatever, I, we all just need to move towards the middle. Right? These people think everything's a demon. No, some of it's just you. <laughs> right? Listen, you can't, you can't disciple a demon, that's true, but you also can't cast out the flesh. All right? And, and you are over here saying, well, there's no demons. Well, that's why they're beating the snot out of you and making you think it's your husband. Can I just read you all a few scriptures? This would be fun. How y'all doing? <laughs> I love church, y'all. I just love it. I love what I get. Every day I'm like, Jesus, really? I get to do this? Um, Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against. This verse says the wiles of the devil. That would be strategies. I want you to notice that according to Paul writing to church people, this is what he said. The devil has a strategy to destroy your life. That's what he just said. Okay. The devil is playing for keeps. Maybe you should too. Maybe you should play to keep your family, to keep your marriage, to keep your kids, to keep your health, to keep your sanity. Maybe you should play for keeps because he's definitely playing for keeps. And then he says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I think some people think he just says we do not wrestle. But he said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But, can I put it this way? But we do wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Here's what Paul said. You're, you are wrestling. You are wrestling. My question is, are you wrestling well? And you're wrestling against demons. Okay, let me read you another verse. Some of you not, not sure yet. Acts 10, 38. This is what it says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. If you study the ministry of Jesus, um, you'll find out that out of the miracles that he did, I think there's seven, seven or eight different miracles where he was delivering someone but they had physical symptoms, but it was demonic activity. Remember the, the woman who couldn't, who couldn't bend up, straighten up? She had a spirit of infirmity. He cast a spirit out of her and her body was restored. Luke 9.1, Then he called his disciples together and gave them a power and authority over all demons. If, if there's not demons, this verse doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, why would Jesus give his followers authority over demons if there aren't demons? Now, I know, you know, there's going to be people. Well, you know, the demons, they all, they all went away after the New Testament. Find it in the Bible. Find it in the Bible. It's a great fairy tale, but you might want to see if it's really in the Bible. Because I can tell you, if you go all the way to the book of Revelation, you're going to find out all through the New Testament there's demons and Revelation, which is prophesying a partly a day that hasn't come. Of course, I think some, we're somewhere in Revelation right now. But anyways, um, 
But, but what it's telling us is the demons are loose right now. There'll be a day they're bound up. But it's not right now. So you need to read the Bible. Listen, this is why you can be having a good day and then all of a sudden think, you know, I'd just like to end my life. This is why you can, listen, sir, it's why you can be in love with your wife and someone pass by or, or, and, just barely, and just think all of a sudden have an impure thought about that person. You're like, I love my wife. I, I'm not even looking at porn. All of a sudden I'm thinking about this person. Who do you, who do you think put that in your head? This is where, uh, you know, this, you know, this is where you know, I'm not saying all the cause of this, but I'm just saying if, if the Bible says demonic activity can affect how I think, and how I feel, and even how my physical body is, then I need to understand I can be in bondage to, to demons, that they can be trying to influence my life, and they can have a place in my life that works. Whew, I got to go on. I, I'll do a whole message on that. Hopefully that was just enough to mess you up. Can I give you one thing? I'll give you one thing, and, and I don't have time probably just say enough. I'm going to say enough that you can totally take it out of context and blow me out of the water if you want to, but just in case someone gets this right. The Holy Spirit is in us as a what? A river. Right? Out of your river, out of your belly flow rivers. So the Holy Spirit is in you what? As a river. When Jesus said, he said, if you cast the Spirit out of a person, cast spirits out and clean the house, here's what he said. The spirits will go out and look for a what? Dry place. The enemy is looking for any place in your life that's not influenced and governed by the Holy Spirit because he's looking for a dry place and the Holy Spirit's a river. Are you with me? All right. Point two. You can't be free until you know the truth. Can't be free until you know the truth. John eight thirty two, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Um, I, I, I really think we see this verse wrong. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And we've applied that if, if I know enough information, the information will make me free. If I know enough scripture, and I, I would never in any way devalue Minimize scripture, obviously. I love the Bible. It is breath and life and power and bread and sharpening to it. I believe all of it. But listen to me. When, when Jesus was talking to the disciples and they said, how do we, basically the conversation about how do we get to the Father? Do you remember what Jesus said? I am the way. I am the way. Here's what he said. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You will know the truth. I don't think he's talking about even Scripture at that point. Because he said, you abide in my word, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. The Son sets you free. So does the truth make me free or the Son set me free? Yes, because the Son is truth. So what you need to understand, what he just said then is truth, uh, freedom is not an act of man, it's an act of God. In other words, remember how we can be in bondage to ourselves? 
Many times when I use my will to try to be free by trying harder, I actually become more in bondage to myself. I'm not against discipline. I'm not against willpower, but I'm saying you need something more than that. In all love and honesty, if discipline and willpower would have worked, many of you would be a lot more free than you are because it's not because you hadn't tried. So what he's saying is, watch this, when you abide in my word, it leads you to an encounter with me. I'm going to show you this in a different verse and then we can be done. You abide in my words, it leads you to an encounter with me. And it's the encounter, not the information that makes you free. It's the encounter with me, not your effort that makes you free. Freedom is more about surrender than striving. Are you with me? Is it Hebrews eleven seventeen and says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? I'm gonna put these together. If you're like, oh, it just changed. Now I'm gonna put them all together. All right. Follow me. Follow me. Freedom comes by an act of God. It comes by an encounter with God. What did Jesus say? Abide in my word. What my word leads you to me. An encounter with me makes you free. Is everybody following me so far? You will know the truth. The truth will make you free. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Many times we read this as faith comes by the word of God, but that's not what it said. It said faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes through the word of God. If faith come by hearing the word of God, we could just all, you know, put on an app like that would just read the Bible to us. And, you know, in a week, if we just listen to the Bible all the time, we'd have the faith of Smith Wigglesworth or Charles Finney or fill in the blank with whoever you think has great faith. But it didn't say faith comes by hearing by the word of God. It says faith comes by hearing. And what, how does hearing come? Hearing comes. So here's what it's saying. Jesus said the same thing. My word leads you to an encounter. An encounter brings freedom. Here's what he said. The word teaches me to hear him. And when I hear him, I have faith. It's the same principle. The word leads you to encounter. Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scripture because you think you're going to have life. What are we trying? What's freedom? Life. What's the problem? Death. He said, you think you're going to have life through the scripture, but the scriptures, these are them that point to me. He's saying the word of God is supposed to bring you to encounter with, with the God of the word. And so you need to understand that freedom is an act of God that comes through encounter. And the primary encounter that I've found is hearing him. That's why I said we're doing a freedom conference, October 22nd, 23rd. I want everybody to come. If you've never heard God, you'll hear him at the freedom conference because that's how freedom comes through encounter and encounter many times is hearing God. Are, Are you, are you with me? Um, let me just share my story. Um, so probably where my freedom story starts about 14 years ago, I was a Christian. 
love my family, love my kids, really wanted to serve God. I'd been a pastor at this time. I wasn't really in ministry at all. I was in business. And, um, but I just, I knew there's some stuff in me that wasn't right and it didn't make sense. And I would tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried everything I knew to try. Everything I knew to try. Like I tried, I know a lot of the Bible. I could quote scripture. I had prayed. I had people pray for me. Um, but I was, I was in bondage to, to lust and pornography. Didn't understand it. Didn't like it. Hated it. Couldn't deal with it. Didn't know how to deal with it. Um, then I couldn't, felt like I couldn't tell anybody because people looked up to me and I was supposed to be something or whatever. And, and, and I had all this anger, mostly from these, I didn't know where the anger was from. I didn't rage, never hurt anybody, never hit any of my kids. In fact, the thing that got my attention was Briggs. Um, Briggs was just a baby. And one day I just snapped at him. I just raised my voice and it scared him. And for two or three days, it's like he was scared of me. He's just a little bitty. And it just broke my heart. And I said, God, I, I don't know what's going on. I love you. I love my family. I've never been abusive to anybody verbally, emotionally. I, you know, I, I, maybe I need to say this because every day I find out some new crazy thing about me. But never been abusive, never, never had an affair, never committed adultery, never did any of these things. But I was bound. You know, it's like I, I don't understand. You know, I don't understand the pornography thing. I don't understand lust. I, don't, I just don't get it. I hate it. I was dying on the inside. In fact, I was dead on the inside. And finally, the, the Lord said, he said, I want you to call. And he gave me the name of a pastor, a friend of mine at Gateway Church. And, um, and I didn't even know. I just called him. I said, hey, I just need to come talk to you. I don't know why. And, um, and he said, you know, ironically, my afternoon got canceled. And I've got all afternoon. Never happens. I said, I'll be there. And so I drove up there. I spent four hours with this pastor friend of mine. And that day, God started speaking. And when I was driving down, I said, God, I don't even know what to talk about. I don't even know what to talk about. And God immediately brought me back to some things that had happened to me as a child, some trauma, some wounds, some different ways of thinking. There were three things. God said, I want you to talk to him about these three life events. And I said, okay. I went in that room. And I said, I've never told anybody. It's true. I said, I've never told anybody what I'm about to tell you. But the Holy Spirit said, I need to tell you. And I guess that's the only reason why I'm here. And I started telling him. And he started me walking through hearing God concerning those things. And it was like those dry places finally got a little bit of the river. And when I walked out of there, I didn't even look the same. I didn't even look the same. I didn't even act. The same. I didn't even talk the same. And that started a process because many times freedom is like layers of an onion. You just, God deals with a layer at a time. It started a process in my life for the last 14, 15 years where I've just pursued freedom. Like, God, I just want to be who you created me to be. And I'm telling you, God meets you at that place every time. I just want to do truth. I'll just keep coming to the light. I'll just keep coming to the light. No, I'm not perfect, but I'll keep coming to the light. And every time God shows me something, I'll say, oh, God. I want, I, want, I want the river to flow right here. I don't want a dry place for the enemy. I don't want pride. I don't want a bad definition. I don't want to cover it up by doing more good. I don't want to be in bondage to me. God, I want to be free. I'm telling you, that's what God wants for you. Will you stand? I'm going to pray. We're going to move fast. Um, as soon as I pray, I want you to go get your kids as fast as you can.
and tell them I'm sorry and I love them and I'll buy them all a Starbucks, all the workers back there. Not the kids, the workers there, Jesus. <laughs> That'd be a bad day. I'll buy them all a Starbucks or something. Um, but I want you to pray. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. And here's how we're going. I'm going to pray, but if you need to experience freedom today, I, I just want for us, I want to pray for you, but also you may need to come pray um, with a prayer person. And maybe you need to receive Christ today. And if you need to get your heart or your life right with Christ, then come and let us help you with that. We want to serve you. We want to love you. And we'll stand with you. But we're going to have to kind of do this fast. So, Lord, um, mm, I want every person, I want you just, I want you for one minute to focus on Jesus. I'm going to ask a question. He's going to talk to you. Here's the question. Jesus, what do I need to deal with today? God, what, what is keeping me bound today? Where am I stuck today? And friend, that thing is popping in your mind right now. That's the thing. That's the thing. That's the only thing we need to worry about today. We'll worry about the rest of the stuff later. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit so strong right now in this room. Woo, I'm telling you, chains are going to break. Chains are going to break. All right? That's the thing you need to deal with. Here's how I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, and you're going you're gonna to lay it down, and I'm going to pray and break it, right? And I'm going to pray God speaks a word to you, okay? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we lay it down. We lay it down. This thing, we bring it to the light. This thing, God, we bring it to you. We bring it to you. We lay it down. This is the thing, God, you just spoke to us. Lord, we surrender it. We forgive us if we need to be forgiven. Come on, you just pray it your way. Lord, here's this thing, whatever it is, forgive me, cleanse me, change me, whatever it is. And now I want you to put your focus right back on God. You're going to hear him one more time. Holy Spirit, what's the truth about this or about me? Right now, he's going to speak to you. What's the truth? What's the truth about this? What's the truth about me? I want you to hear his voice. That's the encounter we want today, to hear his voice. What's the truth about it? What's the truth about me? Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to every person. And that truth could be your love. It could be you're forgiven. It could be I paid for that. It could be I'm not ashamed of you. It could be I want you to be free. It, 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 whatever it is. Lord, I just speak freedom in the name of Jesus. Lord, we all want to be free. And God, we thank you. That's for freedom you've set us free. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Listen, yeah, I love you so much. You're all beautiful and wonderful. If you want prayer, need prayer, need to get right with the Lord, need to be forgiven, whatever it is, you come forward. If you just want prayer for freedom or healing or whatever, come forward. Everybody else, go get your kids as fast as you can. Tell them, I'm so sorry. I love you all. I will see you next weekend.